All right, let's pray. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through me today, that our hearts will be open to hear what you have to say, that our minds will understand it, and that you'll help us become passionate people about you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, um, I'll speak about that later. Um, sorry, just something came to mind. Um, so what is the truth? Do you find it easy to work out what the truth is? There are so many words trying to capture our attention and influence us, to change our minds, capture our imagination, to support a cause, to influence us, to make us believe in their message or buy something they're selling. Particularly now with the internet, where anybody can make up whatever they like and put it out there with no reference or fact-checking. Not that our traditional media is that much better, and uh, most advertisers seem to be able to claim almost anything. This leads to so much confusion in people's minds. And I think when we had COVID was a classic example and, you know, should we take the jab or not? Opinions raged from one side to the other. Some people were really passionate about this stuff. But usually, they just look at the info that supports their point of view. So it's interesting when we do a search on Google and those sort of places, it, it picks up on our line of thinking and then customises the articles to have a look and we think, oh yeah, look at all these people that think the same way I do. Well, yeah, that's what they're, they're giving it. <laughs> we're getting that affirmation that we're right. <laughs> uh, in the end, many people even stop listening and all they hear when we try and speak to them is white noise because they've already tuned out. They don't want to bother listening because it's all too hard and too stressful. Many have given up trying to discern, determine or discern the truth or who is telling the truth. All they worry about is what they think is true. Each person has their own view of what, right, what is right and what is wrong. We hear terms like, I just need to be true to me and find my authentic self. They don't believe in a higher truth. All they consider is what my truth is, or in other words, what makes me happy or fulfills my desires. Of course, what is true for you may be completely different to what's true for me, and so they believe we each subscribe to our own individual version of what truth is, with no need to reference anyone or anything else. The, uh, anyone that may see things differently to us. And any, if anyone tries to tell me anything different to my truth, they obviously hate me. They see that as someone hating them. It's easy to see why this way of thinking is so popular. But I want to present a different point of view, that the only way we can understand the truth is through God who made us 
and has given us his living word to bring us his real truth that has stood for all time. So today I want us to understand the importance and the power of the living word of God to reveal his truth and to bring effective godly change and character into our lives. But also to bring it to a world that desperately needs to know his truth to set them free from the bondage of sin and death. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. Some versions have it's living and active. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. So who will we listen to? What's wrong with deciding for myself what is true and what is right or wrong? Because it's a reversal of the created order. God made us and we were created to work out for we weren't created to work out for ourselves what is right and wrong. We were created to go to God and listen to his word, which he said back in the Garden of Eden. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then what happened? Eve listened to a different and deceiving word from Satan who said, You won't die. It's just that God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful and it looked so delicious. It titillated her senses and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She wanted to be like God and decide what is right and wrong, know the difference between good and evil. So when I decide what is right or wrong for myself, I am putting myself in the place of God and falling for the same trap, the devil's lie, that Adam and Eve fell for. Remember, Jesus also said putting ourselves first is also the opposite of what he taught to consider the needs of others before our own. So should we, the created ones, decide for ourselves what is right and wrong, good or evil, and disregard the word of the creator who made us? No way, of course not. What is the result when we do? It's the same today as it was for Adam and Eve. When we disobey God's word, his truth, we become separated from God And ultimately, death is the result. This is a terrible tragedy. Thanks be to God, he sent his son Jesus to save those of us who believe in him and what he did on the cross. This wonderful truth from God is still just as true and relevant now as when he first spoke it. It is unchanging from generation to generation. And it's true for all time. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us, the Saviour 
of all creation. The living word is powerful. God's word has the power to create and defeat the enemy. God spoke and his words were powerful enough to bring the whole creation into existence. His words, (coughs) he said, let there be light. And there was light. He said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And here we are. (laughs) Jesus is the living word of God. In John 1 verses 1 to 5 it says in the beginning the word already existed the word was with God and the word was God he existed in the beginning with God God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought life his life brought light to everyone the light shines in the darkness And the darkness can never extinguish it. Isn't that encouraging? And as we think about the darkness, one of the things I spoke about last week is that here in Macclesfield, 61% in the last survey, done in 2021, of people in Macclesfield don't believe in any God at all. And... Well, we're having that worship session today and leading to an Anne was speaking into tongues. I saw a vision, it was like an eagle, but it wasn't like a godly eagle. It was like more like a man-made, like an eagle you'd see on a, on a comic, in front of a comic, almost like a, shaped into a plane, like a concord over um, this area, trying to spread its wings of darkness over this town but the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it we are the ones that bring the light as Alicia was talking about before as well that we can be the lighthouse to bring people safely out of the storms of life from the sea of trouble into the safe harbour of the love of God in Jesus sometimes we can be fearful to speak the truth particularly particularly if we're coming across someone that we know is more intelligent or knowledgeable than us but we can still trust and rely on God and his word no matter who we speak to. Remember Jesus said in Luke 21:15, For I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Satan's whole tactic is to mislead our understanding and doubt the word of God like he did with Adam and Eve and also try to do with Jesus in the wilderness. But notice how Jesus responded to Satan's temptation to deceive him into sinning by believing Satan's misuse of scripture. Each time Jesus responded to Satan, he quoted scripture, starting with the statement, the scriptures say, or it is written, because he knew and understood all the scriptures and what they mean. 
He trusted that the word of God has the power to defeat Satan. And the scripture says the word of God, today's verse, the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit and between joint and marrow. In Jesus' day, the two-edged sword was the most powerful weapon. The, the Romans developed it. Before that, most of the swords were like the Japanese swords, one, one edge. And it gave them more options in battle because they could cut that way and they could cut that way. Whereas with a one-edged one sword, you can only cut one way. And it was one of their key things for them conquering such a large area, as well as their organisation. But... It was their offensive weapon. And the sword of God, the word of God, is our only offensive weapon. And it has ultimate power in the spiritual world to cut between soul and spirit. And ultimate power in the physical world to cut between joint and marrow. So I know sometimes I get a bit confused between what they mean between soul and spirit. But both are referring to our inner being. Soul is usually, um, there is crossover in the scriptures. Sometimes uh, they're both referring to our inner being. But the soul tends to refer to our mind, our will, our emotions, our thoughts. Whereas our spirit is our connection with the divine, in the supernatural power of God in our inner life. And then... This word of God can even cut in and separate those two, which is even hard to do when you read the scriptures to understand it. It is a precise weapon, and um, you can't actually, um, I believe, I'd probably have to talk to a doctor to know for sure, but I don't think you can actually cut the... um, between the, the, the sinews and the, the, the joint and the marrow. Um, you actually have to scrape it off. But um, he's saying his word is very precise and able to cut and get to areas where we have no hope of ever going. So that's our offensive weapon. And then, I won't go into it today, but in Ephesians 6, the rest of the armour is defensive. But all works together to protect us in our thoughts, our beliefs and our relationship with God. Satan will try and get us to believe in anything other than Jesus and his word. So we need to follow Jesus' example. Use the word of God to strike down and destroy the arguments and lies of the enemy and to conquer Satan's strongholds. The living word also shows us who we are. At the end of our verse today, verse 12 goes on to say more about the Word of God. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires, which means it's like a spiritual mirror that shows us what our true thoughts and desires are. So it reveals who we are. And um, I'll go there in a minute. That's all right. So it reveals who we are. But God's Word also reveals all we need to know about God. When we want to work out how something works, we go to the maker's instruction manual. So if we want to know how we're designed to work and live, 
We need to go to our Maker God's instructions manual. He has provided for us his word in the Bible. Knowing God's word is important, but even more so, we need to understand what it means and what is required of us to put it into practice. In James 1 it says, And humbly accept the word of God, sorry, and humbly accept the word of God, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And like that mirror that was held up before, if we have a look in the mirror and we check ourselves and we all look good, and then we smile and go, oh no, look at all that stuff stuck between our teeth. And then we just go walk out and go to have our photo taken or something and put on the big smile. We're going to look a bit like a goose, aren't we? And that's a bit what it's like when if God is showing us something and we don't do anything about it, we're only fooling ourselves. But God gives us the power to understand his word and helps us to live it out. So we listen to God through his word. God speaks through his son Jesus, who is the word of God, but also inspired others such as Paul and the prophet, Paul and the apostles uh, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, but Moses and the prophets. But he speaks through them, through his word, through the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through his Holy Scriptures, the Bible. His Holy Spirit then imparts an understanding of the Scriptures and what they mean and also the wisdom and understanding of what it means and how to put it into practice to live godly lives. Today as we start another year, I don't want us to just read the Bible. I know sometimes, particularly when you're going through something like Numbers and it's going on through all the genealogies or something like that, it may not be the most exciting thing to read, but I want us to know and desire more of it, understand it, put what it says into practice in our lives and in the life of our church. God's word is still alive and actively speaking through his servants, and that includes us. God speaks through us too. He can use all of us. We're sometimes the only word of God that someone may ever hear. He uses people whom the world views as lowly and foolish to shame the proud and the arrogant who think they know it all. That's 1 Corinthians 1. So don't be frightened to step out in faith and boldly proclaim the word of God and speak into the lives of others. So summarising where we've come so far, the living word of God shows us the truth about who God is and who we are. It reveals the power of God in creation and the power of God to save us, overcome temptation and the power of Satan. We can understand his word, what it means and how to apply it to our lives and let God use us to spread his word. So this year, we're not just going to read the Bible, we want to know it, understand it, connect with it and apply it. So know it, learn what it says, understand it, learn what it means, 
connect with it, develop a passion for it, delight in it, and apply it, put it into practice in our lives. So how do we put it into action? How and why? How do we get more into the Word of God? As we've been, as I've been saying, words have power, the power to hurt, to heal, to build up or tear down. They can be used for good or for evil. So whatever we do or say needs to be done in God's love. Learn to love and see people as God does. In the Bible, the New Testament is written in Greek and there are five different Greek words for love. The one that is most widely understood and practiced is eros, which we derive our word erotic from, meaning sexual desire, but also it defines worldly love, or to put it another way, contractual love. For example, if you say or do something nice for me, then I'll do the same for you. If you say, um, I, if I give you something and then you give me, I give you something and then you give me something in return. That is worldly or contractual love. Most people only understand love on this level. It's why so many relationships and marriages fail because when we give and don't get what we want in return or feel hurt and don't feel loved, then we do the same to the other person. In other words, we give what we receive and we punish what we think is unacceptable or bad behaviour. Jesus, however, shows what godly love is really like. The Greek word used for godly love is agape, which means to give without expecting anything in return. So agape love is not based on how we feel. Agape love is a decision. It is deciding to love, care for and bless someone despite what they have said or done or how they have behaved or how they made us feel because that's how we would like to be loved in return. Tragically, I know I've done it sometimes, it's sometimes the people we're supposed to love the most that we treat the worst or take for granted. We're you know, nice to our customers at work because we have to, as part of our job, and then come home and treat our spouses and children poorly. Let me just say again, God's words have power. The importance of the living word of God cannot be underestimated. His word can tear down strongholds, destroy the lies, deceit and attacks of the enemy. His living word has the power to bring revival. Look at the book of Nehemiah. In chapter 8, when the people heard the word of God spoken and they understood what it meant, they were cut to the heart. They were brought to tears, convicted of their sin. They repented and recommitted their lives to God. Their hearts were changed and they devoted their lives as a nation to God once again and recommitted themselves to keeping God's covenant. The course of the nation of Israel was changed by listening, understanding and applying his living and powerful word to their lives. Just the name of Jesus spoken in faith can bring healing and deliverance. We only have to read the ministry of Jesus or the apostles and Paul in Acts. And then even in Acts 19 we see 
the, the seven sons of Sceva tried to copy Paul and what he was doing and trying to cast out demons, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, to come out. But they weren't under God's authority and so got beaten up by the man who was demon-possessed. But for those of us who have been given authority, the name of Jesus has power to bring healing and deliverance, to change people's minds, to convict them through God's Holy Spirit of who they are and their need of God. We need to feed the hungry. Now we have a physical hunger that can only be satisfied with food and drink and the most basic food provision is bread and water. But we also are created with a spiritual hunger that can only be satisfied by listening to God. That is why Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In John 6.35 If you come to me, you will never go hungry. I am the living water. In John 4, if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. And if you want to hear more about that, I did a sermon on that last year on the living water, who is the Holy Spirit who Jesus pours out to who, anyone who will drink from him. Like as he was the rock in the desert that flowed from the, uh, when Moses struck it to quench the thirsty Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness. So if you want to hear more about that one, let me know and we'll get you a copy of that. But Jesus is also the bread of life and he wants to feed us so we will never be spiritually hungry again. And this bread is his word, which is the Bible. And when we eat his bread, which is also his body, we will be spiritually nourished. With our physical bodies, how often do we eat and drink? Multiple times a day. And what happens when we don't eat and drink? We become weak and we don't function properly. I remember I was, when I was young I thought I'd try and be pious while my parents were away and fast for as long as I could. I think I lasted about three or four days, I can't remember now, before I made myself sick. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the cleverest thing I've ever done, but I had good intentions behind it. It's the same with the spiritual, if we don't eat from his word and drink from his spirit, we become weak, vulnerable to attack and cease to function properly. We lose touch with God and what his will for us is. We provide and enjoy good food for ourselves and others in the natural, but how are we doing with the spiritual? And I'll just read out that John 6.35. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. Wow. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. He isn't just talking about filling our stomachs, but filling the spiritual needs of our souls. We need both just as much. So many of us are well fed physically, but skinny and malnourished spiritually. Many look fine on the outside, but are starving themselves on the inside. If I paid as much attention to feeding on God's word through his spirit as I do to feeding my gut, well, I'd be a transformed person. And his light would shine out from me for all to see. 
I'm not there yet, but God has made an amazing promise that I will be a lighthouse and this church will be too. So this is his promise to all of us who worship him in spirit and truth and take seriously the joy of fellowshipping with him through his spirit and his word. Don't be deceived. One of the great areas of deception in our Western world is that we don't need God and we can live and survive without him, but also we are consumed by busyness, running around doing so many things that we think have to be done and chasing after things we think we need that will bring us happiness with little reference or time for God. But when we spend time with God in his word and guided by his spirit as our priority, it's amazing how our soul is nourished and we receive from God love to help the unlovely, peace in the storms of life, joy in the presence of sadness and so much more. Also, our priorities change. We find we can cut out many things that we thought were so important refocus on the things that are important and feel the satisfaction of doing a good job with God. We will then receive commendation from God for being faithful. I know for me, one of the things I would most like to hear from God is, well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew 25. Not that I'm trying to work my way into God's favour, but when you love someone, you want to do things and act in a way that pleases them. I know God loves me no matter what I do, but I still hope to live in a way that honours him and is pleasing to him. And we will receive a reward. God also tells us in the scriptures that we'll be rewarded in heaven for how we have served God and his kingdom here on earth. We read about the parable of the talents and also we will be judged on how we've treated others. I had no food or clothes, etc., and you fed and clothed me. Matthew 25, again. This is not to make us fear, but to encourage us that when we live daily with and for God, even if we don't see rewards for efforts now, we will receive our reward in heaven. God is a fair and just God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So how do we develop a desire to know him more, delight in his word? It can be hard to do any of these things that I'm talking about unless we're filled with a passion and a desire in our heart and soul, in our inner being, to want to love and know God more, to be desperate for more of God and share that love and passion with others. Think about how we can fan those flames of love and passion for God into an all-consuming blazing fire. Nothing will come between us and God and his kingdom purposes. As Australians, we're often being brought up in a culture that discouraged expression of emotions and passion. And I've got to admit, that's something that I prided myself on growing up as... Being, uh, presenting myself in a way that people couldn't really determine what I'm thinking or feeling or, or knowing. But when you do that, you're hiding yourself. Um, I think we can learn from some of the other cultures in our world that are a lot more 
expressive and open in sharing their emotions, passions and beliefs. Sharing our beliefs is important. There's now a subtle um, new narrative in our that's being developed in our postmodern culture where our beliefs are only to be shared privately. It's a way of trying to restrict us. And in fact, just this week, uh, Trevor Pugh contacted me regarding just letting me know that his Christmas post on Mackie Chat had been taken down. It was just a, a post um, showing it as a beautiful song, actually. Um, but really just a, a prayer for those that are trying to, that might, that might be doing it tough at Christmas. But some people were offended by that. And so they took it down and said, that's not something that should be shared on this public forum. But Jesus and the apostles certainly had no qualms about sharing in the public forum. I certainly don't want to go about deliberately trying to offend people, but what some people are claiming to be offensive is at best misguided and usually just a tactic to shut down any avenue that may challenge their worldview. When I was studying art with some ladies that had suffered abuse, mainly corporal punishment at the hands of the teachers at a Christian school that they went to, and as a result they'd written off Jesus. So while I had to acknowledge that suffering and pain had resulted from people who were claiming to follow Jesus, and some of them may have had good intentions, that even though the messengers were faulty, the message of Jesus was still true. We are all sinners and need his forgiveness, his healing and direction in our lives, so he can change us to be more godly and effective in our relationships and witness to others. We are all works in progress. And yes, from our perspective, some of us seem to need more work than others, but nonetheless, we are all part of God's family and God has called all of us to love and worship him and to love one another as he has loved us. It is only by being nourished by the spiritual food of his living word and the refreshment of his spiritual water, his Holy Spirit, that we can hope to love God and love one another and accomplish anything meaningful for God. Amen. Let me just pray for you. So, Father God, please instill in us a deep conviction, passion and desire to want to spend quality time delighting and fellowshipping with you through your spirit and in your word, enjoying and abounding in your love all the days of our lives. Amen.